We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports Station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning. Welcome inside the clubhouse here in Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I am David Hall with Bruce Levine here until 11 o'clock, as we are every Saturday morning, talking baseball 52 weeks a year here in Chicago. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times, Bruce. It was a tale of two city baseball teams this week, the White Sox. On a five-game winning streak, the Cubs mired in a seven-game losing streak. Boy, where do you want to start? Uh, because very compelling stuff on both sides of town. And obviously, the Sox have the biggest lead, I think, in baseball with a six-game edge over the Indians in their division. And the Cubs have the widest margin and the, the biggest gap to close with the Brewers seven and a half back. Wow, that was a tough week for the Cubs, but a great one for the White Sox. Yeah, let's uh, let's start, David, by saying uh, first of all, good morning to you, sir, and good morning to our great listeners, the best baseball fans in the world, the Chicago baseball fans. David and I are here with you every Saturday, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball on the score from nine to eleven. And uh, today we expect to talk to Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. The Draft guru at around 9.30, hoping to talk to Jake Berger at the end of our show, the rookie who came up and had his first two hits uh, yesterday for the White Sox in that victory. But, uh, David, let's start with the uh, good news. The Chicago White Sox have a six-game lead in their division over uh, the Cleveland Indians, who have suddenly lost uh, five in a row, and the White Sox winning uh, six in a row. Um this is a uh, a good time to be a White Sox fan, a good time to be a White Sox player, and an even better time to be a rookie coming out of <laughs> the White Sox yeah. farm system, coming up and having a big day automatically. Uh, just during this week, we see uh, Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger making big contributions, having great days, uh, getting their first hits in their first games, and uh, just seamlessly fitting in how about that you're exactly right Bruce that is the fun part about this White Sox success is that it seems and feels very 
authentic, organic, homegrown. You have all these drafted players that are developing very nicely at the major league level. That's what we think. What do you think? 312-644-6767. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And, Bruce, I think the, the remarkable thing about the White Sox is that they've had the number of injuries that they've had. And last night you see a game in which they win by six runs, and they have eight players who they drafted contribute to the outcome. And then you look at their pitching staff, and Carlos Rodon has had a resurgent year, former first-round draft pick. We can talk all you want about how you have to go out and buy talent and trade here and make a deal there. When you draft and develop successfully, you set yourself up to have sustained success. We saw it with the Cubs in 2015 and 16 and moving forward. We're seeing that with the White Sox, the same dynamic, aren't we? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that's every major league general manager and owner's uh, dream, David, that you uh, you draft well, your draft picks uh, come up and start helping you. you. You progress toward being a first place team and a division winner. And uh, also, uh, at the same time, have these young guys coming through your system uh, to help you try to win a, a, a pennant and a World Series. Now, the White Sox have that going on right now. It's, it's fun to watch, but some of that is temporary. This is the year for the Chicago White Sox, David. This is not a rebuilding year any longer. This is not a we hope to make the playoffs. This is a year that has to be punctuated by the fact that the White Sox went deep into the playoffs and were a World Series caliber contender. Uh, you know, look, you point out, uh, your point is great. You know, eight draft, uh, draft picks from their organization helping co- to contribute to the White Sox. But the fact remains, 2021 is about uh, that pitching staff. Lance Lynn, uh, Carlos Rodon, Giolito, um, you know, the fact that you, you only have Keiko for one more year after this. After this year, don't, don't want to be Debbie Downey here, but, you know, the reality <laughs> is, is that your, your starting rotation is not guaranteed for you, okay? okay Lynn is right. a free agent. Okay. Lynn is a free agent, yeah, okay? But Rodon is a free agent. Keiko is okay. a year away from being a free agent. So my point is, not negative, just the reality, this is the year for the Chicago White Sox. I, I agree with that, Debbie Downer. I really do. But let me try <laughs> to cheer you up a little bit. And, and I look at it this, and, and, and I'm not just looking at the glass half full. I think this is the realistic way to look at it if you're Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams. You have some of those realities. You're going to be in a situation as the Cubs are with expiring contracts and what to do and how much to spend and invest. But you know what? The good thing about the White Sox, what this implies is that now, they didn't draft Michael Kopech, but they're certainly developing him, and he's going to be there. They did draft Garrett Crochet, and he's a first-rounder, and you know what? He's going to be there. They drafted Jared Kelly. He's going to be there. You have guys that you have drafted and begun to develop that allows you to absorb those kind of loss that you sort of are forecasting, and understandably so. But I think that you can be immersed in the moment and be in that win-now mentality and not have to feel like there's this sort of panic that this is now or never because of the way that you have drafted and the way the Sox have kind of helped their depth this year with their draft picks makes you think like, okay, that's worth believing in because they have done it before, they can do it again. 
Well, you know, it's a great point you make about uh, Kopech and Crochet uh, earning their spurs uh, there in the bullpen and developing eventually, hopefully, into the type of power pitchers that they want um, down the line. The the other part of that, which I left out, was that uh, Mr. Reinsdorf is not in this to just get into the playoffs. Mr. Right. Reinsdorf is in this to win a World Series or two over the next two, three, or four years. Uh, this is not about hoping to get there. It's about hiring the manager that you feel can take you to the World Series, help you win a World Series, and win now. So uh, I, I know this isn't any great inf- new information for people out there, David, but it, it's worth repeating the fact that this is the White Sox year. They should dominate this division. They should have 95 to 100 wins. Hopefully, with any luck, they will have a healthy team going in toward the playoffs and be a dominant team going into it. But there is a lot of time now, still 80 games left in the season, where um, things have to go right for you. And you have to try to, if you're Rick Hahn and the front office of the Chicago White Sox, you have to fortify right now, this next 30 days, something that's really good on the south side and make it into a team that looks like a World Series winner. Great point, Bruce. And you know what the Sox did this week in fortifying uh, the winning. They they were able to start the week with contributions. They called up Gavin Sheets, and look what he has done since he came up. He homered again last night, his second of the week. He has looked the part in right field and also more of an emergency situation, but yesterday. Yesterday, after Yoan injured himself, injured his hand sliding awkwardly into third base, on Thursday, Jake Berger. We have, Bruce, dare I say, we have found the best burger in Chicago. Jake Berger called up to the White Sox because Yoan Mankata's injury, and Jake Berger comes through, gets his first two major league hits in Detroit against the Tigers. What a story. Two Achilles surgeries, two comebacks, and you heard the emotion in his voice when they spoke to him last night in NBC Sports Chicago following the game and his big moment. Jake, why are you so emotional about this? You know, the last three years, um, you know, I, I definitely thought about quitting multiple times. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I, it, it means a lot to me and my family's here. And, uh, you know, it means more to them. Um, and I, I'm happy I could do this for them. And um, it's just, <laughs> you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't put words at it. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't even speak. <laughs> Why didn't you quit? Uh, my my parents told me, you know what, don't don't regret anything in life, um, and and if you quit, you're gonna regret it. So, you know, keep on keeping on, keep pushing, and um, you know, ultimately things are gonna turn. I mean, sure enough, they were right. I, you know, I never would imagine this this would be what it is, but um, you know, I, they were right. Jake Berger last night after uh, the first two major league hits of his career, which I think and you hope will be a long one. And we thank NBC Sports Chicago for that sound as well. Uh, two really good questions by our friend uh, Jason Benetti, who uh, sees the moment like any great interviewer to see the emotion and to try to get that feeling out of him. I thought he did a sensational job. Um, as far as um, Berger being implemented in right away, Sheets, uh, these are good stories, uh, but this is this is not enough for the White Sox to count on. You you cannot count on Jake Berger, and you cannot count necessarily on Sheets. 
and you cannot count on the bullpen of the White Sox to take you to the World Series as it is constituted right now. It's very good. It's going to win the division, but they need to fortify some positions out there. They need an outfielder. They need a bullpen guy or two. They might need a backup catcher, uh, depending on how Yasmani Grandal comes out of uh, this uh, uh situation with his calf, latest calf injury that got him out of the game last night. So um, I know we're asking for the world here, uh, and we well, want the White Sox to uh, be a World Series champion, uh, just like you want the Cubs to be a World Series champion. But um, Rick Hahn has a lot of work to do here over this next month, and I, I'm, I'm sure he's up to the task. Well, he does have a lot of work to do, but he has a lot less work to do than some general managers, Bruce. I mean, the White Sox do have a six-game lead in, in the division, and they are a team with higher aspirations, as you correctly point out. I guess I'm asking this, is that every team in every sport, I think, goes through a season, and you, there are those that kind of have they, they found money along the way. You know, they, they, are, they have these bonuses that pop up, and I look at Sheets, and I look at Berger, this past week is almost like an example of that. And so you didn't think Gavin Sheets was going to come up and hit two home runs or Jake Berger was going to come up and have the kind of magical night last night that he had. Are you suggesting that this is not sustainable with either guy? Are they going to be in a situation where the White Sox are relying on either Sheets or Berger or a rookie that is thrust into the middle of action like in, in, in a – in a week that really matters, because here we are, it's midseason. You could justify this as saying it doesn't really mean that much. Do you think they'll ever have to rely on rookies when it does? You know, it's a great question, David. Look, I'm not smart enough to tell you that whether Sheets or Burger are sustainable enough for uh, the rest of the year. I think I have enough uh, history and knowledge to tell you that can't be the plan to win a World Series because of the fact that we, we have new rules in baseball. As of July 31st, there's no more waiver trades. So it used to be that the trade deadline was there, and after the July 31st, you could still get guys through waivers and still pick up guys to help you the rest of the year. A year ago, those rules changed. So your team, essentially, on July 31st, is going to be you and your organization the rest of the way. Whoever is on that 40-man roster on July 31st, that's it. You, you cannot expect any help after that. Right. So my point, my point is Sheets might be, uh, he might be the rookie of the year at this point. <laughs> Berger might, be, might hit 15 home runs the rest of the way. Uh, but can you, sitting there in the White Sox front office, count on that to be the answer that you want moving forward after July 31st. What you're saying, Bruce, is that you don't think Rick Hahn can get as carried away with the narrative as, as I am sounding like I am getting carried away with the narrative, right? You're saying slow down a little bit. Don't get swept up in the emotion or the enthusiasm over. Let's face it. Gavin Sheets looks the part. I know he's only been a week, but he looks like a real bonafide major league outfielder. Jake Berger, I think there's less evidence, but there's more emotional investment because of what he's overcome. Those kind of things help teams in sports get that spark. I mean, that's what this week was about for the White Sox, I think. They got a spark somehow, whether it was from the rookies or Josh Donaldson. They responded to the moment, and they seized it. And I think that's worth noting. I do, I do think you're right. 
I mean, I think that it's going to come down to them making an acquisition that makes an impact. But I think it's a there's nothing but positives when you have the contributions from people you didn't expect them to. It's true. But let's take for an example um, on May 1st. Uh, and if I would have told you on May 1st that uh, that uh, that Mercedes was going to be in the minor leagues on July 2nd, you would have laughed at me like everybody else in Chicago would have laughed at me and said, you know, you're an idiot. This guy is a wonder. <laughs> He's the April rookie of the year in the American League. He hit 415. The White Sox uh, won a lot of games because of Mercedes bat. But, you know, the reality of how baseball adjusts to you and how you must adjust to baseball is just a prime example of what happened to Mercedes. And Every rookie, guys like Sheets, guys like Berger, they're going to go through it too because they get a book on you of not how great you're doing, but what you can't do. And that takes a little while in baseball. So when you jump on young people who do well, you're excited about it, you're happy about it, but you have to be cautious about the fact that can they make an adjustment? Let me try to defend the delirium here for a second, Bruce. I think that your mean Mercedes did feel like you were catching lightning in a bottle. I think it felt like you. It, it, there was an element of, of chance, a bigger element of maybe a stroke of luck. When you see Sheets and you see Berger have this kind of early success, and I know Berger's only one game, but Sheets maybe over the, the last past week, it feels more like you're, you're planting a seed and you're, you're growing it and you're, you're nurturing it And because these, this is what you are planning for. This is what you ex- prepared for. You want these guys to do what they're doing because this is what you drafted them to do. And you expected that more, whereas Mercedes was, oh, my gosh, can you believe this guy? Where did he come from? During spring training, there was no plan for either Sheets or Berger to be a part of the Chicago White Sox on July 3rd. Okay? This is – and and they are good-looking young players who I enjoy – watching and i'm i'm excited about it like every baseball fan is but the the progression to the major leagues was out of necessity not out of a plan to have them helping the 2021 white Sox win a world series it's a good chance that they will be there here the rest of the year it's a good chance they will help them but again you know you have to look at the situation how did mercedes ended end up being the dh of the chicago white Sox? It wasn't a plan out of spring training. It was a it was a necessity. So uh, good, very good for the White Sox. Very good for White Sox fans to be able to watch these young guys come up and help. Uh, but I again, I'm going to say that that cannot be the plan over the next 30 days to make sure you have a World Series champion. I agree with that. But nobody also thought the plan would be to watch a game in July. Unless you were a Charlotte Knights ticket holder, you weren't expecting to watch a victory that had Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, Jake Berger, and Brian Goodwin contribute to uh, in the same lineup in the same game. I mean, this is what the White Sox have done. They've been able to provide quality depth throughout their system, and it's just fun. Uh, But I do think you're right. The second half of the season, they're going to have to go out and get some veteran help. Bruce, let's take a quick call before we get out of here. And Jim Callis is coming up at the bottom of the hour to join us but right now the score listener lines powered by betql bet smarter and beat the books download the betql app today or visit betql.com mike is in glencoe good morning mike 
Good morning, guys. Bruce, I was I'm very, very, very impressed with how the Sox have handled Andrew Vaughn. Fabulous catch in left field yesterday. Is yeah. it possible that they could consider him as a long-term answer left? Because there's just no way you can ever. You got to take Eloy's mid away from him and hide it and put it under the bench. Uh, what, what do you think about him as a left fielder um, on a permanent basis? I like it. I like the chance that he might be a first baseman on a permanent basis and that uh, Jose Breu hopefully stays with the White Sox for a long time. Also a guy with one year left uh, next year on a contract and becomes the permanent DH at age 36, 37, 38. So there's a lot of room for Vaughn. I'm a huge fan of Andrew Vaughn, and it's because he talked to David Hall last Saturday that he's had uh, two hits in a game over the last four games. So, Bruce, um, let me ask you this. A, a, a morning host may or may not have gotten a little carried away and asked the question whether or not Andrew Vaughn has a future with his versatility that could mirror the usage of the way another Cubs or another Chicago sports superstar uh, has been used in terms of different positions at different times depending on the need. Do you see that ahead for Andrew Vaughn? I would say he settles into one position, and uh, I would say the likely position will be first base. But again, that's down the road. You, you have uh, uh, MVP at first base. You have a guy that's uh, improved dramatically at first base defensively in, in Abreu that's done a terrific job. You're not going to mess with him for the next couple of years. But next year, you know, as the caller said, you have to protect Eloy Jimenez, okay? You have to protect him from hurting himself. He is one of the great talents in Major League Baseball with the bat. You have to make sure that you can get him out on the field. What is the way that you do that? Uh, you do that by protecting him maybe sometimes in the outfield, but mostly as a DH uh, because we understand that every year that Eloy Jimenez has played since the minor leagues, he's been injured. He is just injury prone, but a tremendous talent that you have to find a way to keep his bat on the field. Let's quickly go to Don and Burridge. Don, good morning and welcome inside the clubhouse. Uh, good morning. First of all, I agree 100% with uh, Bruce about the, the, the rookies. Um, if you get what you're hoping out of them, great, but the odds are, and the odds are highly stacked against them, you're not going to. Uh, the reason that I called was... Um, you guys are talking about needs for the White Sox. Uh, just look across town. Uh, Cubs got three nice relief pitchers, in, including Kimbrell. I don't know if that would ever be a possibility, but Kimbrell, Chaffin, and uh, Tapera. And then, obviously, uh, Chris Bryant over the White Sox. Um, I don't know what it would take, if it would be like a Suspedes and, and Suspedes by himself or even Ed and Crotchet on it. I don't know if that's too much for that. The other thing is, the Sox are kind of short on left-handed bats, and um, Texas with Gallo fits well. I don't know the relief staff that well. And the third option is Pittsburgh. Um, uh, Brian Frazier, Reynolds is yeah. having a sickening, yeah, sickening great year in the relief pitcher, Rodriguez. I mean, that's, that's two huge upgrades for them. Obviously, you've got to pay to get, so, and, but just some thoughts. Yeah, some really good thoughts. Thanks for the call. Uh, that's a lot to chew on, David. We're going to have to take that up in the uh, in our second hour, where we uh, we take uh, that really good call and put it into our segment at the top of the ten o'clock hour. We'll be talking uh, White Sox and Cubs moves. What should Han? 
what should Hoyer be doing. But up next, we got to make some way for Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline. Yeah, we have plenty of time to get to a lot of trade speculation. But next, we will talk to Jim Callison about the draft coming up and also the way that the White Sox are successfully drafting and developing the prospects. Right here, stay with us. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This is Sports Radio 670, The Score, and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Center field. He can't Cameron can't it. find it. It's down. Berger drops it into right field. And Jake Berger on a ball that got lost in the lights that Cameron needed a compass for. Berger has his first major league hit in Detroit on a ball that just disappeared in the lights. And he ends up at second base. Oh, a high fastball that is absolutely hammered. Home run number two for Gavin Sheets. A majestic three-run shot. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock talking baseball here at The Score. That was uh, Jason Benetti. Thank you to NBC Sports Chicago for last night's exploits by the Sox rookie tandem of Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger. And it's time now to go out to our hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That is where we find the senior writer for MLB Pipeline, Jim Callis. You can find him on Twitter at Jim Callis MLB. Good morning, Jim. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, very well. Uh, how would you uh, describe your level of other surprise, or maybe you saw this coming all along, but the White Sox are in the midst of, obviously, a season that they are, have a six-game lead in the in the Central, but they are doing it with young players. They are players that they have drafted and developed. Does that surprise you, or, or did you see this coming? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, that, that was kind of the plan all along. Now, the, now that said, I mean, it's only been a week. I, I didn't necessarily see that, uh, the, that Jake Berger would be up this year and that, that Gavin Sheets would be, you know, four extra base hits in his first four games. But, uh, I mean, I think all along the plan was, you know, they've obviously gone out and made some nice free agent moves too, but was to build you know, around the young guys and, you know, eventually we'll get, you know, I guess Luis Robert and Eli Jimenez back, and you know Nick Madrigal back. You know, maybe that'll be next year. But you know, they it's it, you know it, it's a nice blend, I think, uh, of young guys and veterans. Jim, uh, you've been doing drafts forever, and uh, you are the expert when it comes to uh, drafts and uh, young players. So I, I just have to get a philosophical look at uh, what Major League Baseball has done by putting the draft on. Uh, July 11th now, uh, right in smack in the middle of All-Star Weekend to begin the All-Star Game and the Futures Game going on at the same time. Uh, do you think this is going to bring more or less attention to uh, a special day, which is the, the draft for Major League Baseball? I, I'll be honest. I think about the same, Bruce. I mean, I love the draft as much as anybody. I understand you know, moving it to the All-Star Game, trying to put a bigger spotlight on it. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that they're doing it on the same day as the Futures game, um, which I think kind of reduces the spotlight on both of them a little bit. Um, you know, I think you'll be able to get more players to come to the draft is the hope because you can have some all-star bells and whistles and, and you know, things they can attend that will be pretty cool. But, you know, the, 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 the fight you, you, you fight with trying to get people interested in the draft is, look, I love the draft, you love the draft, 
But to the average fan, they don't know who a lot of these players are, and they aren't going to you know, go straight to the big leagues and make an impact like, you know, like they would in the NFL draft or the NBA draft. Um, and so people you know, just don't know the guys as much, and I, and I don't think that part of it changes whether you do the draft in June or July or August or whenever, just because, you know, for a lot of these, it, it's kind of like the hockey draft. You know, I think, you know, I'm a Blackhawks fan, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll look and see who they drafted and go, okay, that guy sounds interesting. And then, you know, two or three years down the road, most of the time, he'll get to Chicago. <laughs> That's right. And then you figure by then you'll know exactly where he came from and how to pronounce his name. Exactly. Um, you know, Jim, you, you look. You mentioned the futures game, and I thought it was funny to hear Jake Berger explain. Well, he was asked, "Well, what about the futures game?" He was named this, this week, and now he's up with the major league team. But the other guy that is representing the White Sox, Yoki Cespedes, got his start. It was delayed this year for for various reasons, but um, he's off to a pretty good start. Um, was was that uh, a surprise or just a testament to just how how much potential he has? Yeah, no, I mean, I think. Yeah, and we're we're loosely involved. Like we'll we we recommend candidates to MLB, um, and then they run them by the teams and get approval. And then we recommend it's kind of a jigsaw puzzle trying to put the rosters together with one guy from each team, but no more than two, unless it's the host team and you have to fill positions. So like we're usually you know f- you know factoring in like you know who are the best guys, who do you want to see? Like we're, we're take we took. And I was actually you know, surprised they, they let us have him. But Jason Dominguez in the Yankees system, who's like the most hyped international prospect ever and gets compared to Bo Jackson and Mickey Mantle and Mike Trout and crazy tools, he has played three pro games in the complex league. Um, and he hadn't even played a pro game at the time. You know, He would have last year if not for COVID. And they let us take him. And it's the same thing with, with the Oelke. I, I think the idea is to spotlight the, the best and most interesting prospects and I mean, I, I think you can make a case he's the White Sox best prospect right now. I mean, he's loaded with tools. You know, some question a little bit if you talk to scouts from other organizations on the bat. But, I mean, there, there's raw power. There's great arm. He can run. He can play center. Um, and, and he's off to a good start. You know, I, I think, you know, he is striking out a little bit too much right now in high A. But I, and I think it was just mainly visa issues. I think they had to clear up some visa issues. I was told before he could play in front of crowds, I'd I'm not a visa expert, but like he needed a separate visa to do that, and it took a little while. But uh, but no, I mean he's. I mean I think he's got the loudest tools of any White Sox prospect. So let's get him in the futures game and see what he can do. Jim Callis, the draft guru from MLB Pipeline, joining us uh, for just a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. Let's go back to uh, ten years ago in the St. Louis Cardinals draft number one, a guy by the name of Patrick Wisdom. And uh, all of a sudden, fast forward 10 years later, and, oh, oh, he's making a huge impact at the major league level. What were your reports on Wisdom back when he uh, first was drafted by the Cardinals number one? I want to say, was he, was he a supplemental first-round pick or second-round pick? He was yeah. a, a supplemental yeah. first-round pick. Supplemental. He, yep. uh, you know, he, it, it was interesting. So he, he was known as a strong defender. And, and there was a question on his bat because he'd been really good in summer ball. And I think he hit like 250 without a lot of power um, in, in his junior year at St. Mary's. So there was a little bit of question on the bat. And I mean, you, I mean, you look at his minor league career, and he kind of never really got going in the Cardinal system and stalled out in AAA. And you know, like a lot of guys, he had a huge power year in AAA in 2019 when the ball was all jacked up. 
And, um, and now you look at him, he's hitting a home run like every third game for the Cubs. So he, I, I think what he's doing now is what you hoped he, you know, what the Cardinals hoped he would have been, you know, nine years ago when they when they took him in the supplemental first round. But he 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 really has not shown many flashes of this, even in the minor leagues. I mean, this has been pretty astounding. You know, I think it was not that long ago, uh, Jim. That we were talking about Ed Howard and the Cubs drafting the the Chicago kid, first round draft pick, and all the hope. And then, obviously, uh, it's been sort of a, a slow start for him, perhaps. But he had four hits last night, his first four hit night. Um, where is he in his development, and and anybody else in the Cubs system standing out this year that uh, comes to mind? Yeah, you know, I'd say with Ed, you know, he he's in a little bit of a tough spot, like a lot of these guys. You know, there was no breaking into pro ball like you normally would last year, and he would have gone out and played in rookie ball. And the Cubs have so many young shortstops. Frankly, they needed some guys, you know, young middle infielders, to go to low A so they wouldn't be all bunched up. I mean, we don't have a short season club now, so there's fewer places to play them. So I think if it wasn't an aggressive assignment, like he's more advanced than a lot of their young guys, but I think his struggles just kind of point to the fact that, like, it was like, hey, Ed Howard, go to low A ball with no pro experience. I mean, that's that's tough. And I think he's, yeah. he's doing fine. Like, so I don't worry too much about the performance. Like you said, it was it was nice to see him with the, the four-hit game, and I think he had two hits the game before that and, and hit his, I think, first pro homer. Or it was his first problem a couple of days ago. So he's definitely like on the upswing. The the guy who I'm really interested to see play, like you know, we've talked about you know Brendan Davis, and you know he got off a slow start because he was hitting the head in spring training, but he's playing well. You know Miguel Amaya, we know what he can do. He's a good defensive catcher, and he's got some offensive potential as well. The guy who I'm really excited to see, and he's not played yet, um, is Christian Hernandez, the, the international shortstop they signed in signed in January, and, and the Cubs told me you know, he gets compared physically to like a young Alex Rodriguez or Manny Machado. He's got that kind of build. He's got a potential to have solid or better tools across the board, and a lot of the Cubs guys I talk to say he's got more upside than any international player that they've signed you know, uh, in this regime, and that includes Eloy Jimenez and Glaber Torres, who were part of the same class in 2013. So I, he's the guy I, I really, really can't wait to see. The draft is coming up uh, on the eleventh. Uh, the eleventh. Yeah, um, so, um, Jim, give us a little uh, capsule: Cubs and Sox. Cubs draft twenty-first, White Sox twenty-second. We know it's a crapshoot that uh, guys and you know picks change uh, right up to the moment of those picks. But uh, you're projecting a guy by the name of Judd uh, Fabian for the outfield for the Cubs. Tell us a little bit about Fabian and uh, a little bit about um, uh, Montgomery, the high school, uh, Colin Montgomery, the high school player that the White Sox are being projected to take. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Cubs are tough because you said they're picking low enough to where it's hard to pinpoint like who's going to be there. And I, I've literally heard <laughs> college bats, college arms, high school bats, high school arms. I, I've got about 15 names for the Cubs at 21. You know, Fabian's interesting. He, he's a guy, University of Florida outfielder, who coming into the year was going to go in the top five or ten picks. Um, you know, he's you know got a good base of tools, a lot of power, but not a track record of hitting much in college at Florida. And he's one of these guys who graduated high school early, so this would be, this would have been his sophomore year in a normal year. You know, in his freshman year at at Florida, he would have been a high school senior. So anyway, you give him a little slack for that, and then he hit well in the Cape two years ago, Cape Cod League with wood bats. So, like, the arrow was up on him coming into the year, and he got off to a dreadful start. 
He was striking out literally 40% of the time for the first six, seven weeks of the season. And his stock, you know, was nose diving. And then he made a, it sounds simple, but he made a two-strike approach. He shortened his stride. He shortened his swing. And he started crushing the ball. And, and I would have thought, you know, maybe a month ago or, or six weeks ago, uh, there's no way he'd even get to the 20s. And then he, then he went back to striking out the last three weeks of the season. So he's, <laughs> he's a little bit hard to figure out. But he's, you know, if you can get him to be consistent with the bat, I mean, that could be a steal at, at 21 because there's upside there. He's a center fielder with power. And then the White Sox, I've heard, I've heard a lot of high school bats with them. And, and one of them is Colson Montgomery, um, Indiana high school kid, also a good basketball player. He's a leading scorer in his high school's history. There's, he's committed to Indiana for baseball. There's some talk that he might get a chance to play basketball there as well. He's, he, you know, if you look at him, I'm not saying he's going to be this good, but, but you can't look at a 6'4 high school shortstop with, with power potential and not go, oh, that looks like Corey Seager. And that's what people say. Like, it's kind of a Corey Seager build. He, he moves well. I, I think he's probably a third baseman. But um, I, I feel more <laughs> – more, uh, confident that I can tell you if I, you know, not 100%, but that the White Sox, you know, I feel pretty good that they're going to take a high school position player. The Cubs, you could tell me any demographic, and I'd say, yeah, you, you might be right on that. Jim, before I let you go, I want to ask you this. So you look at the White Sox, and I, and I don't want to overstate the importance or the success because it is so early, but you look at Jake Berger, he's with the Major League team because, well, part of it is he's, he's been working out at second base, and they trust his versatility there. You look at their outfield, and they've got two first basemen playing corner outfield positions in Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets, and I just wonder, is there any trend toward kind of leaning into versatility or emphasizing that over other aspects as you sort of evaluate draft picks? Or is that maybe just uh, uh, th- these are isolated incidents, uh, situations because of the need that, that exists? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you like versatility, and that's something that enhances uh, you know, a guy's profile when you're looking at the draft. I mean, I do think in the White Sox case, it's really because of all the injuries they've had. Um, you know, I know. I think you guys are talking to Jake Berger a little later, right? I, I mean, I'm so happy for him. I mean, after not really being able to play for for three years and, and coming back and making the jump to AAA and now the big leagues, it's good to see. I mean, and I've always been a, a huge Jake Berger fan. I think that Missouri State program does a great job. But you know, ideally, you know, he's he's really more of a third baseman than a second baseman. You know, I think in an ideal world. You wouldn't have Andrew Vaughn and, and Gavin Sheets run around the outfield. But, you know, they've made it work. I mean, I think it's pretty amazing. You look at the White Sox. I mean, they're 48 and 32 or 49 and 32, whatever the record is now. Um, and, you know, and, and look at all the injuries they've had. And, and look at guys they've kind of asked to, to play more challenging positions. Like Andrew Vaughn had not played a lot of outfield. Gavin Sheets not played a lot of outfield. Berger, I mean, I know it's just been one game, but, I mean, he hasn't played a lot of second base. And then this isn't like a rebuilding team that's struggling. It's like, ah, let's see what these guys can do. This is, hey, we're trying to win tonight, and we're doing these things. I think it's, you know, you give credit to the, the players for adapting and, and give credit to the, the player development staff and the, and the coaching staff at the big leagues for, for getting these guys ready on, on not a lot of notice to, to play these positions. In closing with you, Jim and David and I really appreciate your time. We know how busy you are, incredibly busy. Uh, uh, moving up to the draft here next Sunday. Uh, number one pick, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Is it going to be Marcel Mayer? I, I, I do. I don't, I don't think it's locked in yet, but I, I do think they're going to take Marcelo Mayer. He, he's a shortstop, high school kid from California, East Lake High School, the same school that Adrian Gonzalez was the number one pick out of uh, in 2000. And, you know, he's he's really polished kid. I, I think he's 
the consensus would be that he's the best hitter in the draft and the best defender in the draft. I think he'll have some power, too. Really, really good-looking kid. And it's like, I always enjoy talking to you. And, and Bruce, even though I'm busy, if I wasn't on the show, I'd probably be listening to it. So uh, um, <laughs> That's a, that's a nice compliment. Like a, glad to be here. What would yeah, Saturday Jim, morning thank be you. without Bruce? Thanks a lot, Jim. Yeah. yeah. Well, take Thanks, care, guys. Jim. Take care. Jim Stay Callis, busy. the senior writer for MLB Pipeline, does a terrific job, knows his stuff when it comes to draft picks, and, and boy, that, uh, just a wealth of knowledge, Bruce. Wealth of knowledge, great guy. Uh, just the passion that he has for learning about young players, talking to uh, 10 scouting directors a day, uh, just talking to young players. It's, he's had an incredible career, and he's still going strong. The very best at uh, draft evaluation, young player evaluation, Jim Callis. And we know the state of the White Sox farm system because they had to rely on so many rookies. I want to ask you a question about what the Cubs dilemma says, uh, specifically about one position, about theirs. When we come back, inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. David, do you have to uh, re-examine Jake's spot in the rotation? Uh, we're going to reset this off day and, and go from there. I don't, I don't know who we would replace him with. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago sports radio, six, seven, the score with Bruce, Bruce Levine. I'm David Haw until 11 o'clock. That was David Ross. When asked about Jake Arietta's tenuous spot in the Cubs starting rotation. And Bruce, I wanted to ask you this. We talked a lot about, and have seen, the White Sox, when they have injury, had injury or inconsistency, reach into the farm system, bring up a prospect, and boom, watch him go. Doesn't, doesn't David Ross, every time that he says that or every time that you have heard that, for me, maybe it's just me, it underscores just how poorly the Cubs have drafted and developed pitching. They don't have anybody to turn to because they don't have anybody that is a young pitcher on the rise that they trust at this point in time. Well, they do, but they're both in the bullpen, just like the White Sox pitchers. So you have Keegan Thompson, you have a Steele. They're both in the bullpen. Uh, both have been hurt at times. Uh, Steele still making his way back from a hamstring. That, that is the story of the second half, David. Do, do the Cubs start turning toward these young guys, uh, even if it's to begin with as openers for three or four innings, to, to uh, develop them and what they're supposed to be, which is starting pitchers in the minor leagues, uh, moving up towards the major leagues, and, and start trying to envision your, bulk, your starting rotation of the future. Uh, okay. your, the, the future could be as soon as now, July 31st for the Chicago Cubs. So it's an incumbent upon Judd Hoyer, and we'll talk more about what he has to do along with what Rick Hahn has to do at the top of the hour. But... Is it incumbent upon them to take a, make the hard decision on a Jake Arrieta and say thanks but no thanks anymore and start developing and using their young pitchers? Well, okay, then, then let me reframe the question because I do think I allowed the glass half empty mentality with the Cubs because of that seven straight losses. I don't look at I'm not mm-hmm. looking at things positively maybe as we were a week ago or two weeks ago. So. I guess how much do you trust? Because I think that I don't think it's a hard decision, Bruce. I don't think it's a hard question. It's only hard because of what Jake Arrieta has meant to your past, not to your present. He has stunk in the month of June. So I guess how ready do you think that Keegan Thompson 
or Justin Steele, who's, who's working his way back in the minors, but because of the injury, how ready are those two guys or anybody else that we don't know, maybe a Cole Stewart, for the challenge of going every fifth day, and how far away are they from being trusted? Well, I think we have the same question about Alzale going into uh, in this season. You know, uh, again, he had a little bit more experience starting uh, and uh, had some big league experience last year. So he was ahead of them, but uh, he had never gone more than four innings in the major leagues up until uh, this year. And uh, he has been a really bright, uh, bright star for the Chicago Cubs moving forward where they can envision him being a part of that rotation and maybe a big part of it moving forward. Now, I think, uh, you know, and again, I can't speak for Cub fans or Jed Hoyer or ownership of the Cubs. I can only say as a baseball person and a, a fan of the game, I'd like to see Thompson. I'd like to see Steele starting games, even if they build up from three innings and 60 pitches to <clears throat> five innings and 80 or 90 pitches. Uh just to be a part of what the future uh, looks like for the Chicago Cubs. I, I think they're out there looking at controllable pitching. We've talked about it before, David, uh, that the Cubs are out there looking for controllable veteran pitchers who are under control and they can <clears throat> uh, keep for a number of years as a base. But uh, the lifeblood of your team, uh, the future, you know, might be the, the Thompsons, the Steels, the Alzales. Those are the guys I think we need to pay attention to, and I, I hope the Cubs do as well. I'm with you. I, I think you have to start uh, somewhere. And and maybe, did you see this last night? Casey Mize was pulled from the uh, this White Sox game after three innings because, in part, that they're trying to conserve his innings, but they started him as an opener, if you will. He went three, and then he was replaced. Bruce, do you think you're going to start to see that more around baseball because what you're suggesting is – get the young pitchers in the mentality of being a starter every fifth day, start to work toward and ramp up and, and maybe, you know, keep, uh, have the long view, but without ignoring the present need. Yeah. It, you know, it, it is a fine line, especially after a 60 game season last year. And, uh, you know, I've been asking, I've been talking to both general managers when I've been able to ask them about, uh, you know, conserving these young arms, uh, not knowing, uh, what they're capable of, not worrying about blowing them out because they only had 60 games last year. We're going to see a Kopech and we're going to see Crochet skipped at certain points uh, in the second half, uh, just for that same reason that you pointed out. These these guys in the mind of the Chicago White Sox, they're the future stars uh, of that rotation. Uh, they're going to be very careful with them, even though they're important parts of the bullpen right now. Bruce, real quick before we break, where's Braylon Marquez? Remind our listeners what is he's his been deal he's been hurt, and they've been bringing him along uh, slowly at the Arizona complex for uh, the Cubs. I think he's ready, from what I understand, probably ready in the second half to join a minor league team here and uh, and be a part of uh, you know moving toward what they can they hope will be a uh, very brilliant career. I mean, uh, he was the number one pitcher in the organization going into this year, even beyond Alzale, as far as young pitchers go. And uh, uh, he's he got injured in spring training and uh, hasn't uh, really uh, pitched much at all. And we are moving toward the trade deadline, which is the uh, fun season, fun month ahead for both Cubs and White Sox general managers, Rick Hahn and Jed Hoyer, the president of the Cubs. They spoke yesterday. We will discuss 
what that uh, what their words implied and what to expect moving forward here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.